0: Catholic Radio in South Carolina.
1: Porta Fidei. Benedict XVI has published his apostolic letter called Porta Fidei, or Door of Faith in English.
0: This document officially calls for the Year of the Faith.
1: Greetings, this is Father Jeff Kirby. And
0: this is Valerie Sue.
1: And we are opening the Port of today,
0: The Door of Faith, the show that explores the catechism of the Catholic Church in light of this year of faith.
1: In our show today, we're going to be discussing number 168 and 169, the catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, Valerie, I know that you are going to find this perhaps hard to believe. But when I was in middle school, I actually was a football player.
0: Really? Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you okay, didn't have to quite say it like that, but
0: I mean, I don't really look like a football player. Well, yeah, Kirby.
1: well you know, okay, but... okay, fair enough. You know, I'll use my age, imagination. There you go. Exactly. You know, age gets the best of us. Okay, but but when I played football in middle school, I had not played as a younger person. You know, sometimes people begin to play in middle school and they've been playing since they were like six years old or something. Right. So I had not played, so I would get out there and, of course, I would just have to pick up pieces of the game as I was actually in practice, you know. So there were times when I just didn't know what to do or I did it badly or I didn't understand how one thing led to another and so on, you know. So the coach would have to explain things or yell at me, you know, and so on. And and other teammates would have to say, no, you need to do it like this. Why are you doing it like that? No, do it like this or do it this way. It's better and so on, you know. Well eventually over so long of just, you know, taking this piece, this piece, this piece, this piece, you know, finally able to bring it all together and my understanding of football was actually football. Right. right? <laughs> you know, as opposed to, you know, Arnold Kirby ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, and I thought about that as we were looking at number one sixty eight one sixty nine, the catechism of the Catholic Church, because I think so many people they want to know who God is, they want to have a relationship with him. And they approach the practice of the faith, and so oftentimes they end up taking this piece or this piece or this piece or this piece and trying to bring it together. But sometimes people miss the fact that our understanding of God is not the sum total of all of our different pieces of God, Mm. but our sum total of God is actually what God has given to us.
0: Right especially here living in America, and we live in this wonderful democracy, and we can almost start to think of the Catholic Church as a democracy. You mean it's not? (laughs) (laughs) Newsflash. You know, we have the cafeteria Catholics, that phrase that people like to use. Very sincere people just taking the understandings that they've gathered and saying, well, I'm a Catholic this is what I understand. And so by virtue of myself being Catholic, I guess this is a valid faith and this is what I believe. But just yes. as you make, kind of made the joke of you went from playing Kirby ball to actually <laughs> football, I think we can kind of design our own little religion and it's really not Catholicism, but it's our own personal religion that we think is Catholicism, but it's not. Our faith isn't the sum total of these parts of who we think God is, but it's actually, the faith is actually what God has given to us.
1: Yes. I'm glad we're both saying the same thing, Valerie, just in that, because that is at the heart of being a Christian, that God has revealed himself. And we've stressed it so often in in our show that God has revealed himself to us, that we, we have not created God. Mm -hmm. We don't have to fill in the blanks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and, Mm -hmm. and my view of God, and this takes us to one, six, eight of the catechism Is it the church, boom, boom, actually has a faith of her own? Mm. Now, now let me explain that. Yeah, because that can
0: seem a little confusing. Yeah,
1: so what are you saying? That that as a member of the church, I have my faith. Right. And sometimes it can be incomplete or immature or ignorant or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But the church Mm -hmm. has her own faith. Okay based on this revelation. So the church, the mystical body of Christ has her own teaching, mm. her own faith in Christ. She's the first one to cry that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ that okay. he's the Messiah. Yeah. What does that mean practically? Well, first, what do you think, Valerie, when I say church? Okay. Okay. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> Why do I say this? What do you think people think when we hear the word church?
0: Obviously, in our context, we're talking about the Catholic Church. I think most people think of the institutional side of it, and they think of the Pope and the bishops yes, yes. and some people might also be thinking the buildings, but I'd say <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but I'd say, yeah, when you hear the word church, I'd say for most people, what comes to mind is the institution, the Vatican, and the bishops, yes. and all the hierarchy.
1: I was thinking the same, I think, with most people. And we definitely want to clarify here on, on Fide our show about the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that when we speak about the church, while the institutional church is definitely a part of that, when we speak of the church, we are not speaking about the pope and the bishops as if they are sitting there creating an agenda and then imposing it on the rest of us. And the faith of the church are the faith of these leaders that we have to obey or we're out. That is not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is, yes, the structures of the church are a part of this, but that Christ has entrusted to the entire church, the body of Christ, the entire people of God for all time, the faith to profess him and recognize him as Lord. And that is given to all of us as members of the church, but it is guarded and interpreted by the shepherds appointed by Christ. So, when the Pope and the bishops are exercising this teaching authority, what they're doing is basically helping us understand what we have all been entrusted with, which are the teachings of Christ. So there's a difference there. So it's not this institution, although it has institutional aspects, right? but almost like a breathing organism, yeah. that it's alive and vibrant. It's when We speak about the faith of the church, we're talking about dynamism and activity and vibrancy. Mm. And I don't know if many people understand that.
0: Yeah, I think sadly, probably a lot of people see it as something very static and old. I think there's oldness in the good sense of that. The faith has been the same for 2000 years. However, the faith staying the same doesn't mean that it's static.
1: Absolutely. I think when we begin to speak now, understanding the church in that way, and we say, well, the church has a faith. Mm hmm then suddenly it's like okay well all right the church has a faith i'm a member of the church so what does that mean Hmm. well now it means that i have to use the church's faith to assess where my faith measures up yeah and so for example there's a lot of things that i might not understand i might not know i might disagree with i might understand fully all these things kind of go back to the football Mm -hmm. i'm sitting there as a You know, middle school kid running around like, how do I know what side to run to? Like, how do I know when to catch the ball and and what lines to pass and what the rules are? And my fellow team members who, of course, are there encouraging me. But also there's the coach on the sidelines. Right. And so we can think of the church as well as the coach and the quarterback being, you know, bishops and the pope who are helping us. Yeah play the game to understand mm-hmm. hey this is how this game is played mm-hmm. you know like no more kirby ball it's time for football mm-hmm. this is how football looks mm-hmm. and the same way as the church has a faith we have to look at our faith and say where do i have to make some adjustments where do i need the grace of conversion
0: as i'm listening to you father kirby i think there's definitely that need for obedience and submission those are two Uh-oh. words that uh-huh. people don't like you to hear. are picking a
1: fight <laughs> i
0: know Those are two words we don't like to hear. Even as I say them, I'm like internally, you know, almost like cringe, like submission. But there is something actually very holy about submission and obedience. We have the perfect model of obedience in Christ who, humbling himself, he was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Mm. Um, As you said, the church has a faith. And so we've got to take a hard look at what do we believe and where does it, as you said, where does it measure up? If there is something that we don't understand, then we have to submit to the faith of the church. It's not submitting to these men in Rome. Evil overlords. (laughs) 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 I think that's sometimes how the media at least portrays them. Yeah, we are not submitting to these overlords. It's that we are submitting to the faith of the church, the faith that Christ has given to us. And he has given us these shepherds who are like loving fathers, helping us and explaining it to us. Or also, I love the image of the church as our mother. So we do not believe in the church as if the church was the author of salvation, but we look to the church as a mother. And so when there are things that we don't understand, we can submit to the church, trusting that the church is looking out for our good. I think the right posture, the right attitude to have when there's a church teaching that we might not necessarily agree with or we might not understand is to try to have humility. And instead of saying, well, I'm not going to believe that, try to be open and pray for understanding.
1: Absolutely. And I'll tell you, when we speak about that, the church has a faith and then we have our faith and. You know, we are called to conversion and to maturity, to the fullness of faith. And we can say to measure up. That's a biblical expression used by St. Paul. But we also want to make sure that when we say that, what we mean is that we are called and summoned and encouraged. And the faith of the church actually strengthens us mm-hmm. to do this. So it's not as in a sense of the church is, you know, farther down this race. And the church is, hey, you better catch up or, you know what, you're out, you know, you're mm-hmm. gone. Uh, that's not the case at all. In fact, I love the opening line of number one sixty eight of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It says, "It is the Church that believes first. She's the first one that acknowledges Jesus Christ, and so bears, nourishes, and sustains my faith." Yeah, and that's just powerful. Those verbs describe great mothers, as mm, you're using the yes. maternal image of Our Lady. <laughs> you know, the maternal image of the of the Church, of course. So she bears. She nourishes and sustains for me, that gives me great hope, <laughs> <laughs> you know because none of us are are where we should be. Yeah. you know we're all aspiring, you know, both in the depth of our conversion and understanding, also in the depth mm-hmm. of of living this way of life that mm-hmm. that Christ has called us to. I was thinking you know as a politician he was he was new in kind of the junior ranks of of the political spectrum here in the southeast. And I remember I was at an event. We both were there at the same time. And, of course, he, he could tell I was a priest. And he pulled me aside and asked me uh, specifically about the church's teachings on capital punishment. Mm. Now, obviously, being in the southeast, he has to take very seriously the fact that this is going to be difficult because right. so many of our states accept the death penalty. Right. So he wants to understand what the church is teaching. And, of course, we sat down and had a conversation. He told me, Daniel's father, I don't agree with any of that. I said, well, first, God bless your honesty. Secondly, let's work on it. None of us have heard every aspect or teaching of the faith and said immediately, yeah, I'm on board. Great. You know, most of us with one aspect or another or perhaps more than many have had to really sit asking for the graces of conversion, asking for the grace of maturity, seeking this conversion that happens, do you know? Mm-hmm. So for some people, it might be the real presence in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. For some people, it might be the bodily resurrection of Jesus. I know for a lot of people right now, it's gay marriage. Yeah, Even Christians are really struggling, and how do we understand this? I know for some people, for young couples, it can be birth control.
0: Yeah.
1: It can be all kinds of things.
0: Absolutely, Father Kirby, and I just... Hearing you say those things and thinking about this, the church's mother, that protectiveness that the church has for her children. And so when it comes to these issues that are hard, birth control, um, same-sex marriage, these other issues that we can really struggle with, and the church speaks strongly about them because, like a mother, she is so protective of her children and she wants their good and loves them so much that she is not going to let anybody come in and try to deceive them. Culturally, same-sex marriage is very much accepted now, or culturally, you would be crazy not to use birth control. So when we are living in that environment, how much more do we need that mother, that church, to strengthen our faith? And what a relief it is to know that she's there, helping us and giving us the tools we need in order to find the truth amidst all of these lies.
1: Yes, Valerie, and to persevere. Yeah, you know, oftentimes those who are faithful, it's not as if okay, they've arrived and it's done. And it's oftentimes people who are trying to be faithful are seeking the grace of perseverance and fidelity. And so they need the help of the church to yeah. continue to strengthen them, to empower them, to walk with them, guide them, and so on. And it's precisely, I think, sometimes the struggle of particular members of the church that when they find someone who has indulged and given up on a virtue or a belief or so on, that is precisely their own struggles and their own desire for perseverance and their own understanding of their weakness that allows them to have the compassion Mm. to reach out rather than fall into judgment, but rather to have compassion. Say, I understand what you're going through. I understand like young marriages are difficult. I understand that acknowledging the rights of the unborn can be very difficult and unpopular. I understand that you're struggling and you keep thinking it's just bread. I understand that you don't want to go to confession. It's embarrassing. I, I understand And the believer, the member of the church, can reflect the church herself and say, I understand. I understand. I have compassion. I invite you. I want to encourage you. Let me walk with you as the church does.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Father Kirby, I was just with some of our young adults, and we were actually talking about the catechism. And a young adult woman was just commenting on one of the things she's really been just struck by is how the church And speaking in the catechism just seems to have a very honest and healthy awareness and understanding of your average lay person. We were reading the part on prayer and the catechism was saying like, yeah, prayer is a battle. Prayer is a struggle. (laughs) We don't seem to have the attentiveness it takes. We're constantly- I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) The church just was being very honest and sympathetic.
1: Yes, Valerie. And and blessed John Paul II used to always say that the way of the church Mm is the way of humanity. The church accompanies humanity always on humanity's path for salvation, for Mm -hmm. fulfillment, for meaning, for purpose, that the two are always together. And the church is the the salt, is the light, is the leaven. As we all are called to be in our families, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our parishes, we are called to reflect what the church herself is called to be in the midst of the world.
0: We are to walk in solidarity with humanity. And we need to show the world, again, that that the church is not an enemy. The church is the one who's actually humanity's greatest advocate.
1: Absolutely. And I really do believe that it is the work of of dark forces that allow for people not to see the church in that way, but to paint the church as enemy, as repressor, Do you realize what the church of Jesus Christ is? Do you realize what the church has done to the centuries? Like we founded orphanages and hospitals. Those didn't exist in the ancient world Mm -hmm. because if you were sick, then you were gone. You know, the, the widow and the orphan, we protected them. The creation of the university systems, the scientific method, we created that. All of these things, and they're done because the church is constantly accompanying humanity on its path, and the church is constantly showing us this is how we're called to live. She points to Christ and says, "Look, this is how we mm-hmm. are called to live," and she plays, as you were saying, that this maternal role. She also plays this role as teacher. If you just joined us, this is Porta Fidei, the show that looks is looking at the Catechism of the Catholic Church during this year of faith, and in regards to the role of the Church in regards to salvation. One sixty nine has a great opening quote on that exact point. That I think it's pretty good.
0: It does, yes. Um, so reading from one sixty nine, it says. Salvation comes from God alone. But because we receive the life of faith through the church, she is our mother.
1: I think we have to go to that first quote. Salvation mm-hmm. comes from God alone. Because, yeah. and of course there's two parts. this. first part is where does salvation come from? Secondly, is the role of the church. The first part, I think a lot of people, perhaps even some Christians, I think most people think salvation comes from themselves.
0: I do too, Father Kirby, and I think that is why there is a very dominant misconception of the catholic church i know i myself before converting to catholicism one of the reasons that i was able to so easily dismiss the catholic church was because i thought catholics believed you had to earn your own salvation so i firsthand have experienced that there's a great misunderstanding about this
1: but i also think that in popular catholic jargon we say a lot without explaining so right. so for example as this happened to me uh, just recently That, okay, in purgatory, the soul is cleansed in order to prepare for entrance into paradise. I said that, and and a non-Catholic person had a a problem with that, which I was expecting. But then once he began to explain, they're like, well, you know, where's Christ and and the salvific work of Christ and his redemption and so on? I thought, oh my goodness, I did not say that because I assumed it. So it's like, well, let me explain that Christ continues to work as the good shepherd purifying the soul that is his work he's the one who is purifying with the help of his body god allows us to be a part of this helping these souls so they can enter paradise to be with the father so sometimes it's either bad catechesis or sometimes just we're lazy sometimes in our conversation maybe in the past we didn't have to explain it so well but we really need to be more attentive not just for those who are asking questions but maybe even to remind ourselves of some of this because it's very easy to fall into the air of self justification.
0: Because we know that we have to persevere in faith and we know that there is the possibility of losing salvation, we do not believe once saved, always saved. We believe that we have to persevere in faith until the end. I think because of that, there is that extra danger of thinking that it is self justification because we do have our part to play, but we are not. The author of salvation. It's always God giving us by free gift. It is total grace that we are able to receive salvation. We have our participation, but yes. it's, it's all God's work.
1: Yes. yes. What you're saying is, is so true that it is a free gift. Grace is given in the new covenant. Now Christ allows us to do these works Mm -hmm. so that we can receive this free grace. We can't earn it. We can't demand it. We can't. It's not quid pro quo. I do this so, God, you better give me this. But within the covenant, the Lord has said, if you do these acts in my name, Mm -hmm. then you share my likeness. Mm -hmm. I will give you this grace, my favor. And then we can begin slowly uh, to see ourselves being like Christ, being Mm -hmm. saved. You know, it's so important, you know. Mm -hmm. But that first part, I I know what kind of. I kind of hijacked that part there, you know, but salvation comes from God alone. But then that second part, I think, is what you probably wanted to talk about. I think it's it's very important in regards Mm -hmm. to the life of faith through the church. So she is our mother.
0: Right. What is the role of the church? So salvation comes from God alone, but because God has entrusted the faith to the church. So now we receive the life of the faith through the church. So she is our mother. We do not believe in the church, but we see the church as our mother and teacher of the faith. Yes. yes. And that's an important distinction. So we do not believe in the church as if the church were the author of salvation, but we believe in God and we believe God has given the church the deposit of faith through which God is dispensing the grace and dispensing salvation.
1: Of course, in English it's difficult because we have in God within the church and and, and sometimes we can get stuck on our language, but... It's important to understand what the catechism is telling us, that Mm -hmm. God alone saves. We believe in God as the author of our salvation, Mm -hmm. as you were describing, Valerie. And then we believe within the church. Again, that's where our language gets in the way because we have confidence in the church as the instrument of God's salvation. That's the key.
0: Our trust of the church is really stems from our trust in God. When Jesus instituted the church and gave his own authority to the apostles, who now we see the bishops as their successors, we're not placing our trust solely in men, but we're always placing our trust in God and trusting that he's guiding the church as he promised he would.
1: For our listeners to understand that distinction that the gathered church obviously realizes that God is the one who saves, that we are saved by the workings of his grace within us, and that is so important. As we are discussing the role of the church, that she is, jumping back to number 168 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, she is the one who believes first. She's the best model and witness to us, the mystical body of Christ of which we are a member, and she bears and nourishes and sustains our faith. As a college student, I used to join other college students in praying in front of abortion clinics, and I was always amazed and grateful to God at the young women who would come for abortions and have those moments of conversion, you know, and I can only hope that in their own minds as they were wrestling and trying to dismiss the teachings on life and the gospel of life, that as they were there and they saw people praying and caring about them and about their unborn child, that that brought about that conversion to say, you know what, this is not right. This is not what I believe. This is not true. And I'm not going to believe these lies anymore. I'm going to protect my baby. When we see a person who shows that humility, who shows that docility, who obeys to truth and allows truth to order their lives. Because if we don't let the truth change us, then.
0: When we change the truth. Yeah.
1: Mark Twain has said, you know, God made us in his image and we are forever trying to repay the favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And we don't even always realize that we're doing it. Yes. I think it really requires vigilance to make sure that we're not manipulating the truth or manipulating our own image of God into something that He's really not. Yes. I have a good friend who recently entered into the full communion to the Catholic Church. And the way that she was brought in was really just invited to a Catholic Bible study by a friend. And she was new to the area where she was living and didn't have a lot of friends. And so she went to this Bible study and. Everybody was really nice and welcoming. And so she kept going and kept coming back because she could see that they had a real faith and love for God and for his word. But she still was faithfully attending a a Protestant church because the issue of birth control um, and contraception. And that was something that for her as myself before I was Catholic Many, many people, especially when it comes to wonderful Christian people who use birth control, they do not realize what they're doing. It's how they were brought up. It was never talked about. It's never questioned. It's not something you even think about. So anyway, so my friend came in with this thought. And so as she's coming to this Catholic Bible study and starts to hear these things about the church's teaching, and she's even like, oh, wait, so what? The church says you can't use birth control? And admittedly, she'll say that, yeah, she thought that was crazy, backwards, even repressive of women. But later, she told me that this was kind of her moment of conversion. We were riding in the car, and we had had a girls weekend, some of these girls from the Catholic Bible study, and we listened to a CD, a Catholic priest giving a talk, and he was giving a talk on the meaning of human sexuality, just really focusing on who did God create man to be, who did God create woman to be, and, and it was all presented in a very positive light. What really struck her was just the church's teaching. It was very validating and celebrating femininity, celebrating masculinity. And in that car was a young adult woman who was married, and she was able to speak of her own experience, not using contraception, but being open to life, her experience of natural fertility care, and how that strengthened her marriage, how she was closer to her husband, focusing on those positive things. The way to get to a woman's heart is to talk about relationships and to talk about contraception really damages your relationship with your husband. She told me later that it was really as if the veil was lifted from her eyes and she was given that grace of conversion to see that this is the truth, that this is how God created it to be. And why are we messing it up? Why are we trying to break something that was already working normally?
1: Valor, I think you just tackled a huge issue. And you know what I'm amazed with is as you're talking about this person's conversion and and the process of conversion is that the world can twist things. So what actually edifies and requires respect of a woman is presented as repressive, anti-woman, anti-body twisting, where it's like, gosh, the reality is the exact opposite. And sometimes it, it takes that initial second look. Even if it's just curiosity, why does the church teach that? Anyone who gives the church a hearing ends up nodding their head saying, okay. Now, maybe they aren't at the point where the graces of conversion have taken root, but at least a cognitive understanding, oh, you mean the church isn't against women or doesn't hate the body or sexuality? I didn't realize that. And sometimes that's the first part of this conversion. You know, In each of our lives, we can look at areas where it's like, wow, I really need the face of the church. Otherwise, I am just off on my own a little balloon floating around doing whatever yeah. i want going wherever the winds will blow me and it's just no we cannot do that so well we thank you for joining us for our show today a port of the show that refused the catechism of the catholic church we hope you join us next week as we continue our discussion of the catechism of the catholic church may god bless you and keep you
0: have a peaceful day
1: This is Father Jeff Kirby. You can reach me at charlestonvocations.com, as well as on Facebook, also Charleston Vocations. Hope you visit our website or visit us on Facebook. Thanks.
0: And this is Valerie Soup. You can reach me at the website Catholic Young Adults of That's Catholic Young Adults of SC for South Carolina dot com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Catholic Radio in South Carolina.